Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Trust me, I'm the king of them eating. <laughs> all the I know. I have to. I have to. So I, 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 I promise that kind of behavior. <laughs> I know. I'm being a hypocrite right now. All right, what's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics podcast. My name's Daniel. It's your boy Double H Halfwood, trying to live, trying to exist, trying to stay alive. Carl is doing the Totally Football show. I don't know if it's Totally Football podcast or whatever. So he's not here this week. But in he should his- be here. <laughs> let let the man make his money. All right. Nah, um, man, make make your money here, man. As as you know, Carl's a Manchester United fan. We've kind of replaced him with another one, friend of the podcast, Uncle Paul. How you doing? I'm honored to be on the Talking Tactics podcast as always, Dan. I'm absolutely buzzing. It's it's a pleasure for us to have you. Can you tell people about your podcast before we get started? Yeah, if you like listening to people um, crying into microphones, complaining about how Jose Mourinho is a terrible human and should be removed from the club as soon as possible, then you can check us out, um, our podcast about Manchester United. Uh, the Rankcast is out every week. Cool. All right. Uh, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at Talking Tactics, Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, all at Talking Tactics. We're on Spotify as well. So if you're on Spotify, shout out to you. Follow us there. Um, if you're listening on an Apple device, remember to leave a five-star review. If it's five stars, we'll read it on the show. We did get one this week from a guy called Ed McEd. The conversations you guys have are like the ones I have with my mates. From have hopes, crazy reasoning to Carl Stats. Crazy. It's cool to li- <laughs> it's cool to listen to your guys' opinion and perspective of the game. Thank you for the work you guys put in on the pot. Dope. So thank you, Ed McEd, for that five-star review. Remember, we only read the five-star ones. Have hope you got anything coming out this week that the people should know about? Obviously, by the time this goes up, um, episode two of my Brick Academy series will be released. And just stay tuned for more pre-match analysis, reviews, and everything of matches going on this week. And I'll probably also be putting out um, what I do once every month, which is um, a retrospective or a um, look back at one of the great teams of the past. So those are the things to look forward to on the channel. Okay, cool. So... We had a big weekend in terms of Premier League football, so I guess we'll start there. Um, now, there was a, a small debate I saw on Twitter about, like, was this game of the season? So I guess no, it we wasn't. Can, Bayern Dortmund was. The North London derby, Arsenal 4, Tottenham 2. An interesting game in the way it went. Um, I guess we'll start with Have Hope. What did you see in the game? I saw two two things. Okay, wait, two main things. I mean, I mean, first main thing is um, Arsenal are no longer the banter club. They're no longer they're no longer the, the laughing stock. Like again, doesn't mean they're gonna win titles, they're gonna win, they're not gonna win the league, but this is, is already they're already heading in the right direction and they're already on a path where okay, no, these guys are no longer a joke anymore. And I think PSG was maybe a job too big for Emery, but I think this has shown that Emery is 
a very good modern manager and very good modern coach. And I think this is a right fit for him, similar to how Sevilla was a right fit for him. And as far as Tottenham goes, um, overachieving still. I mean, yes, Tottenham lost the game, but when you just look at how much, how good Pochettino is, is doing, and when you think of the fact that if they would signed a few signings in the summer, which they should have for a team who are doing that well, maybe he brings on a few other people to try and change the, the course of the game. But it's the same exact team that was last year. And also, we need an answer. Why was Toby Alderweireld on the bench? And why was he, and why was some dude from the Argentine League playing in his place? Theo Susan Mosby asked, will Floppenham, a little bit disrespectful, <laughs> ever win anything ever? Uh, in terms of just that question, I think it entirely depends on how long Pochettino stays. Because I think if he if he stays and that would presumably mean that at some point he gets some backing. I mean, what I really hope for them is that they win a cup competition um, and uh, like sooner rather than later too, because it would be such a shame for the Pochettino project at Spurs, which has been I mean, one of the remark most remarkable things that's happened in the Premier League in a good long time. It'd be such a shame if there's no silverware to show for it. And it's all just you know, overachieving, amazing performances, brilliant moments, but just falling short time after time. I, I really, I, for their sake, I really do hope they win a trophy. But my main takeaway from the North London derby was it shows what can happen when a, a club replaces a manager who was last good around 2010-ish with someone who's fit for modern football. Oh, God. <laughs> just, just had to roll that in. We've not even gotten to the segment, man. That was, uh, I was for humor, I have to say, for humor. So someone else asked the question, best position to finish in top four out of Chelsea, Arsenal, and Spurs? Out of all the London clubs, the best chance of one of those clubs finishing in the, in the top four? Yes. Um, you know what? I'm still going to say Arsenal. I've just seen something in the, in, in the whole Chelsea thing that makes me fearful. I still think they make top four, but if I just say out of the London clubs, the club that I think that just has things working and is much more in a good place just to solidify top four, I'd say it's, 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 it's Arsenal. Chelsea are pretty much a one-man team. Tottenham, you, you didn't buy anybody in the summer. And yeah, I know really, those, those are the main guys for the top four. So yeah. Yeah, I, I find it interesting because they've all kind of beaten each other up in terms of, I think, Chelsea beat Arsenal in the beginning of the year, one of the first two games. Then Chelsea lost to Spurs like last week. Now Arsenal's beating Spurs. It's like you don't know really who's the best team out of these three, really. Um, which is kind of surprising because I think everyone kind of assumed Arsenal were going to be like the sixth out of the top six, if you want to put it that way. Nobody really knows what to expect from Spurs season to season because nobody really quite trusts them yet because they haven't won anything. And I think it's Chelsea kind of just got grandfathered into like, oh, they'll finish third. But eh, it's an interesting question to me. I would probably say Chelsea are still just because they have the best player in the league, in my opinion, um, in Eden Hazard. So they're probably a little bit better positioned to finish in the top four. But I don't think you can put it past Arsenal or Spurs at this point. Okay, okay. So, so, so you would still say Chelsea are the have the best chance out of mm -hmm. all the London teams for top top four for sure. I I definitely think that the one of the keys to this question, of course, is the conversation is actually which one of these is going to miss out because two of them are going to finish in the mm. top four, right? I mean, let's assume Everton aren't. I think it would be a borderline miracle if United do. I was just looking at the data because the thing that I keep hearing about Arsenal from mostly from Arsenal fans actually is that their performances don't quite back up the results. And when you're sort of trying to predict what's going to happen in the future, just looking at the previous results is always a bit like, well, 
the results are important in that they're points in the bank, but really it's the underlying data that is a better predictor of what's going to happen going forward. And even though Arsenal just won the North London derby and were pretty impressive doing it, out of those three teams, they're the one who have scored like 11 goals more than their XG, which is massive. And there's no one in the league that even comes close to having scored that more, that many more goals than they would have been expected to score based on the quality of chances they've created. Now, I'm not a person who, um, you know, you guys have the, the stats versus eye test argument. I think, Daniel, you you said that you think the combination of both is is the thing. And, and that's definitely where I sit on it. But but I do think that the data is telling. And as as of right now, it would suggest that Spurs and and Chelsea are, are the more likely to get through. But I'd be scared if I was Spurs after that North London derby because of just because Emery's game management was off the charts, right? It was this made a lot of very smart decisions, made a lot of very smart changes. Um and, and Arsenal looked genuinely dangerous again for the first time in a long time. So if we talk about the game just in itself, I think Lucas Torreira was probably the best player. And this has sparked a debate, at least in half of mind, of like, is Torreira the best all-round player in the Premier League? When people say, people are like, we what, what, what? And I say, just think about it very carefully. And when I say all-round is, how good are you at defending, tackling, passing, decision-making, and in an offensive area? Talent-wise, Pogba is the best all-round player in the world. Talent-wise. I don't give a damn about talent-wise. How well have you been playing? Pogba has not been playing well. He just has not been playing well. And as of right now, within, within the Premier League, the player who, balanced-wise, who does who is who is very good at both ends of the pitch, in my view, is Torreira. There, there's been no one else who has defended as well as him, attacked as well as him, passed the ball as well as him. Because any other player that you give to me either leans heavily towards defensive work or more heavily towards attacking work. Okay, you want to bring Kante? Kante is not as good as good as Torreira in the last third. You know, so you want to bring uh, like a Fernandinho. Fernandinho is not as good as Torreira in the in the in the last third. So, in my view, Torreira, as far as in the last third, you, he will he will pick out the right pass. He will make the right decision, make it, and he, he doesn't look like a fish out of water if he's like you know just outside of the eighteen yard box. And the guy hustles hard. The guy tackles well. The guy reads the game well. So for me, he's all around the best player in the Premier League. Well, first of all, I, I think the sample size is absolutely tiny for Torreira, isn't right, it? I mean, right, right. we've all seen players have a good three months. Mm. Um, and that is, I, I mean, to me, like he seems like he was an absolutely superb signing and the kind of signing that Arsenal have needed for such a long time that it is literally a joke. Um, you know, it's a joke that's been made time after time about Arsenal's need for a kind of combative box-to-box midfielder with the, with the ability to unlock opposition defences. That's, that's a prescription for what Arsenal have needed for, it's like Patrick Vieira left or something. Um, uh, but but yeah, I, I just think the sample size is too, too small. And I, I'm going to make this point over and over and over again on this show to the point that it's going to be annoying, so I apologise in advance. But I would love, love, love to see what Pogba would be doing to this league if he had a manager who wasn't, like, relentlessly insulting him and doing him down and, uh, you know, limiting him rather than maximising him. Wait, 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 Pogba, just ask very quickly. So who would yeah. you say, form-wise, as of right now, is the best all-round player? on both ends of the pitch in the Premier League. So do you mean like a a midfielder who contributes both to attack and defence? Yeah. In terms of like current form, as we record this on whatever yeah, the current date form. Is. Yeah, as of right now, current form. Yeah. I, I don't see, I'd see how it'd be very hard to argue with Torreira, really. 
I mean, I, I, if you ask me, like, who do I want to sign for United, N'Golo Kante or, or Torreira, I'd say, well, definitely Kante, because we've seen mm. it over a number of years and he sort of fits what's needed. But Torreira seems to be in a very, very fine vein of form. And if he continues this for a long time, then he's probably not going to be at Arsenal all that long. <laughs> True. And Ob- Aubameyang, man, the guy is a goal, the guy's a goal scorer, man. Two, two teams, two different systems, two different leagues. Guys, guys, goals. Because remember how how many goals he scored in January when he arrived in January. Mm. The guy is just a natural goal scorer. They have two of them in terms yes. of Aubameyang and Lacazette. That's why they're they're for me a much more safer bet than Chelsea and Tottenham. I'm sorry, Morata and Giroud still live among us. <laughs> <laughs> they, they still live among us. You yeah, know? but so Eden Hazard still lives among us too. I mean, how much do you want one man to do? <laughs> Seriously, like so, so, okay, so yeah. because because this thing I, I don't get with this whole hazard critic because people people actually have the cheek to be like oh my gosh ten games hazard hasn't hasn't scored ten games hasn't hasn't assisted and this goes to my whole stats versus um, eye test view because I'm sure like I'm sure Paul definitely he's of the age of where all we had was the eye test we didn't we didn't have like back in those days there was no Twitter no internet no who scored dot 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 com so so we just had to see oh, okay this guy's good. Like we're like in a park. No, this guy is a damn good player. But now with the twenty-five and unders, they just are slaves to okay goals and assists. How many goals and assists? How many goals and assists? It's like, come on, bro. <laughs> to me, it's like, like Hazard can only do the best that like, he can with trash strikers. To me, I don't even really think about goals and assists when I think about stats either. Like goals and assists are they? I mean, obviously in empirical terms, they are statistics. Mm. But like that's when I'm thinking about using stats to help analyze football goals and assists aren't it it's about chances created it's about like it's about quality of chances created it's about what kind of shots do you take it's all that kind of like super nerdy mm. deep lying data that i think that can add some value to your understanding but obviously if you're just looking at goals and assists and then of course if you're completely discounting goals and assists you're probably making a pretty especially goals you're probably making a bit of an error too cuz I don't know if you know this, guys, but like goals are quite important in football. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I, mean, I, I, I'm just, I think Sarri has done about as well as anybody could reasonably have expected by this stage, but he does seem to have some strange mental blocks um, in terms of like, it, it does seem very peculiar to me to like try and reinvent N'Golo Kante when, when it's like you've got one of the most beautiful, perfect, functional footballers for a role and you don't try and give him another role. You build that role into your team, don't you? Or you sell him and play someone else in the role that no, you want. But you see, Paul, that's where I and I think this is what you get with a lot of Italian managers. I think just think there's a stubbornness. And I think for Sari is that Jorginho, in his view, was very important to what he did with Nap- Napoli. And that's all fair and good. What did you win with Jorginho and Napoli? You won nothing. You can't come in and displace one of the best DMs in the world. You can't do that. Jorginho is the guy who has to now try and adapts not canting it's like you don't take the guy out of a position which he is perhaps the best in the world in that position but the the flip side to that argument is i would more say you don't give sari the job do you know what i mean like because asking sari to um to play kante as his holding Mm. midfielder plus like asking Mourinho to play super attacking football or asking guardiola to to regularly park the bus or whatever because because Sarri needs Jorginho in his system for it to work. I mean, you know, when you say, like, what did you win at Napoli? It's interesting that we're just talking about the eye test versus stats and how you're sort of saying, like, well, it's not all about the goals and assists. I I feel a bit like that 
that argument applies here too, because what did you win at Napoli? There is a there is a school of a reasonable school of thought that says what really could you win at Napoli? No, no, and, no, no, no. I was playing he... devil's advocate, hundred yeah. percent. I was just, I was purely playing devil's advocate, but yeah, I agree. Like the whole he's not won anything at, at Napoli is a part of crap. When you actually look behind what Juventus are, what Napoli had, and how well he did, and how well he overachieved, because he had no business doing better than Roma and Inter Milan, who have more funds and are much more and, and are, that are far bigger clubs than Napoli. So. It's fascinating, and I think he, both he and Emery have done a pretty bang-up job. You couldn't really, I mean, results-wise, the results have been absolutely incredible for both sides, really. Mm. Um, I don't think either sets of supporters would have been really expecting a, you know, a sustained title challenge over the course of the season. They both would have been looking to really solidify top four, which did, did Chelsea finish top four last season? No, nope. uh, no. So neither neither of those two teams finished in the top four last season, uh, which is pretty remarkable. But you know, I, I just want to before we move off the North London derby, I just want to issue a public apology to Arsenal for every time I've said it's the top five plus Arsenal, when in fact it turns out it's the top five plus United. So sorry about that, everyone. Sorry about that. I wanted to go Merseyside derby, but I guess we can go North West London derby. Sorry, uh, Chelsea beat Fulham two zero. Now to this kind of Conte Jorginho point, I just. Kind of let you guys talk. I, I didn't feel like interrupting, but because I was going to get my chance, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think people are kind of just blowing this out of proportion. I think Conte is doing the same things he's always done, just in a different area of the pitch. Like under Conte, it was closer to the defense. He would win the ball and then find an attacking player. Now it's his job to win the ball and just find an attacking player closer to the goal. And I think that kind of advancement in terms of like area on the pitch is kind of giving people brain farts like, oh, Kante's not supposed to be that close to goal. What is he doing? But he's he's winning the ball and he's finding an attacking player in the same way he always did. No, no, no. But um, it's but it's, it's it's a different role though. It's a different responsibility, but it's the same function. Yes, to an extent. But I think like Kante was never in the final third. And once you're in the final third, you're doing you're you're performing something differently. Even if you're still winning the ball, if you're in the final third and you're now really required to now actually have a higher piece of technical proficiency in an area of the field where you do need to quickly control, think quick, beat a player, walk in very tight spaces and try and make that through-through ball. You're, that's a totally different function that is brought to you. But for France and under Conte, he never had that. But now in the um, Sari system, he's now in a situation where, no, you need to actually have really good ball control, really walk in tight spaces, really think quickly and have an attack-minded mindset. In those but, areas, um, one of the first things that Sari said, like um, in his one of his first few press conferences when he got to the club, was that he was surprised by the technical level of Kante. Like he thought when he came, he was just going to be one of just a hard worker, but with no technique. Mm. And I remember him specifically saying that he was surprised at his, you know, his capacity by the technical point of view, or however he phrased it. What he did to rob Sari of the ball and then drive forward into the box to find Pedro. That's what he's supposed to be doing. Like, that's what Sarri wants from him. And he's mm. more than capable of doing that. I think people are just like, Conte's not that great technically, da-da-da. I just think that's just fake news in a way. He's doing an awful lot less of winning the ball back, though. That's because Chelsea have more of the football. So Yeah, that's what, what I was going to say. Okay, go ahead, Paul. But, but I mean, I was going to say, like, it's partly a function of that, but but the numbers are substantial. Like he's attempting, like in his first season at Chelsea, he's attempting 4.9 tackles per 90. Then it's 5.2 tackles per 90 in his second season. And this season it's it's 3.1. 
Now, now then you, you add in interceptions and it was like 2.4 per 90, 2.6 per 90. And now it's down to 1.4. Sure. This is partly a function of um, the amount of ball possession that Chelsea have, but it's not like they hardly had the ball when Conte was in charge, right? They, they, they had the ball plenty against a lot of the bottom two thirds of the league or whatever. Mm. Imagine that. Did they not? I mean, you've <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, obviously they had more, but it wasn't to the tune of like seventy percent possession or things like that. Like Chelsea, I think they lead the league in passes or something like that, which is a function of Jorginho playing, which is exactly what Sarri wants. Like they've completed more passes than I think Man City, which says a lot. They want to keep the football; it's a part of the system. So if Chelsea have more, if let's say ten percent or fifteen percent more possession than they did under Conte, what's Conte supposed to do? Just like stand at, like it's obviously he's going to be more advanced and in more attacking positions because where's he supposed to go? Oh, no, 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 yeah, and that's and that's the issue because if I'm a hazard and I'm looking up and I see Kante making a forward run into the box, I'll think I'll, I'll, I would hesitate before giving him a through ball. I know because because in your mind, naturally, just you know from training and from working with him, yeah, Kante is not a guy who I can really trust into the area to really be able to have that sharpness to really finish and really cut past the guy and finish because again, like don't get it twisted cancer is still very good footballing wise technically he's still very good he's still very good but he isn't like a pedro or a william on his good day where well no wait 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 these things they come naturally to them like a forward movement to now make space for a shot it's because they've been doing that their whole lives and naturally as well players it comes naturally cancer is so versatile, he can still do that to a proficient level. But what I think you'd really want put it is this a way. guy who is naturally nothing. So okay, yeah, but put it this way: people want Jorginho and Conte to be switched, basically. So where Conte's playing in the kind of regista role, and Jorginho's the more box-to-box player. Does Jorginho have the capability of dribbling past players in tight spaces? People I don't think so. Don't, no. I I don't think you want Conte to be a regista anyway, do you? Like if you've watched. A lot of him. I, I love him, and and I think he he is better on the ball than people give it credit give him credit for. But mm. the, the question would be about whether you play a regista or you play like a double pivot with a okay, an actual good. holding midfielder and, and a regista. The, the the boys on the Touchline Fracas podcast, which is absolutely brilliant football podcast. If you don't listen to that, it's well worth listening to. Um, they made a really interesting point about um. Because uh, Chelsea players seem somewhat reluctant to pass to Kante or more reluctant to pass to him in those kind of tight spaces, very often the play will be on the opposite side from where he is at any point at which it breaks down. So he isn't making those same kind of tackles and interceptions, partly because the play's breaking down away from him rather than the play's breaking down in front of him. I don't know if that's necessarily the case because because sorry sorry wants his attacks to go down the left that's Mm. like a a function of his system he wants the play to go down the left and that's why he sometimes gets frustrated at Conte because Conte when the play's on the left he needs to be close to Jorginho because Jorginho can't really make up ground in the same way so when the play's on the left Conte needs to be somewhere close to Jorginho just in case the the play breaks down he can then go intercept can't Conte still play his position that he naturally has with Jorginho still as a re- re- register. Can- I think he already does that. I think I, I think he's doing that. I just think people right. are a bit sketchy on where it's happening. He's always won the ball and passed it to someone. 
So but, in doing it, that, but just a little still, bit closer to goal is just giving people like mental breakdowns for some reason. But but I don't think that's I I know what you're saying, and I don't like hundred percent disagree even. Um, because people don't like change. But whether it's a function of the position or whether it's a function of Chelsea having the ball so much more, he's doing it much, 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 much less. Like he's winning the ball back for Chelsea much, much less often than he has in the previous two seasons. So whether that's because of his position on the pitch or whether that's because do you really need N'Golo Kante in your side if you're going to have 70% possession every game? I, mm. I think whichever reason it is, he's definitely not doing it to nearly the same extent, even if he's doing fundamentally the same thing. Do you know what, you know, like, as we've talked, I think we have to come to the realisation. And obviously this wouldn't happen because, again, you have to have him. I don't think that... Okay, so it's, it's two things. Kante, I don't think, fits into Sarri's philosophy. And I don't think Kante is needed for Sarri's philosophy. But Kante would still be very useful in Sarri's philosophy. Because Kante is very useful because he's he's one of the best readers of the of the game. He can just read where people are going to pass and intercept, and that is very useful in a team that counterattacks and likes to recycle the ball and give the ball to the opposition. Didier Deschamps and France, who they don't keep possession on the ball, they happen to give you the possession, but Kante will always rub it back and they'll hit you really quick direct. But if you keep the ball for for so long, that means as what Paul was saying, Kante doesn't really need to win the the, the ball back. But for Sari he's still very useful because he gives you great protection of the defense and he can still be a guy who can still win the ball and his decision-making is so good, he, he he can still give you good defensive cover and good decision-making in launching counters. So I just think that Sari needs to really be much more open-minded in, in, in how he sets the team up rather than just being very rigid with his philosophy. Kind of closing okay. down this kind of West London derby. I'm sorry, Paul, but I'll try to make it quick. Um, I think the real problem with Chelsea's midfield, if there is a problem with Chelsea's midfield, is not N'Golo Kante and it's not Jorginho, it's the other midfielder. Mm. Because I don't know if it's political or whatever the case may be, but Kovacic plays, maybe because he's a Real Madrid player, maybe because Sarri thinks he's better than Barkley or Loftus-Cheek or whatever, but he doesn't create goals. Kovacic. I mean, I'm, I'm sure someone could do this if you wanted to make a compilation of like his missed shots. It would be comedy. Wayward volleys and things like that. He, he's a great technical player, fantastic dribbler, keeps things moving in a way that's proficient and pleasing to the eye, but he doesn't create goals. What was really interesting in terms of this game was the moment they pulled Kovacic off and put in Loftus-Cheek, the game it got far easier for Chelsea because you had someone who could drive forward with the ball and was a goal threat and who eventually scored. Mm. If you play Kante, Jorginho, and a goal-scoring midfielder, someone who's a natural number 10, whether that be Loftus-Cheek or Ross Barkley, you'll see Chelsea's midfield play infinitely better because there's another player who has just an eye for a goal and just a, a better and, eye for an attack. And, and, and can break from midfield and be threats. Exactly. And not, not saying Kovacic can't do that, but that's not his natural inclination is to yeah, be a no, goal-scoring no. midfielder. No. You know, so if, if you want to have an argument, it should be like, should, should, should you play Kante or Kovacic? Like, that should be the right side mm -hmm. central midfielder. And then do you play Barkley or Loftus-Cheek on the left side? But Kante has to play in Kovacic, like I say, whether it's political or whatnot. He's in the team because he's come from Real Madrid and whatever the case may be. So, Paul, I'm going to let you go quickly and then we can go to Everton, Liverpool. I've, I feel bad going back to, to a previous point 
really, which is just um, something that I hope said triggered a thought in my head, which is about what an incredible reader of the game Kante is, which he obviously, that's, yeah, is amazing at that. And I feel like being in a deeper line position makes fuller advantage of that because you have more time to react to the play and you can effectively cover the whole width of the pitch, which you can't if you're playing in a, a more advanced position. I wonder if that's part of why the numbers... But I, I think from everything I've heard about what Chelsea have been like this season, you're absolutely right. We have this long conversation, but really, actually, it's the other bit of the midfield that's the real problem although I'm trying to push the agenda that Kante is a problem so hard that eventually it powers <laughs> they're being weakened by him off you because nothing would make me happier yeah Kante a problem with you like okay that oh, would be... don't, oh, I'm literally gonna cry I'll that would be how many players that you guys about to unlock Pogba at this point like eight, <laughs> nine? Uh, oh yeah okay. but I'm not having Pogba slander off you. I I know we we shared messages during the World Cup. No 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 no. I, 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 I'm I'm saying in terms of United, I love Paul Pogba. I want him at Chelsea. Like that would be my that's an ideal dream. If we could get rid of not you see, I I love Ruben Loftus Cheek obviously because he's an academy player, whatever. So anything that could get him in the team, I'm happy. But if we can get Paul Pogba in that left side central midfield, but by all means, like I love I love Pogba. But you have to admit there is. Matic, Fred, Herrera, if you want no. to go like, oh, Herrera. now we got Conte to try to unlock him. Like, there's a problem in we... Manchester United that's not necessarily Paul Pogba's doing. Yes, that's very true. But we signed under Herrera three seasons before we signed Paul Pogba. I'm, so just, that, that no, one... I'm just saying, but like, that's a player that people suggest should unlock him in some way. No, anyway. they don't. I mean, both. I'm, they, both. Who, is, who is Fred, though? Who, wait, wait, who is Fred to unlock anything? Who is Fred? I don't know. <laughs> I, did, I, I just go by Twitter, okay? Like, that's Fred, what people say. Fred is a victim of Jose Mourinho's evil propaganda machine. Like, so We will get there. Before. We will get there. Okay, one more game until we get there. Oh. Um, Merseyside <laughs> Derby. Um, I didn't watch this game. I didn't watch all of it anyway. I saw the last five minutes, which is basically all you needed to see. Everton played really, really well. Fe Fe Femino is under review for the academy. Um, it's just not working out for him. And Liverpool had very good chances, like they had very good chances, but Everton played really well. And Leaf is like, they just didn't have anybody that could really f finish, you know. And it's like, it, that's even what most of the, the, the commentators were saying, like this is possibly the best Everton have played at, at Anfield. You know, they've not won at Anfield since I think in 99 or something, or something crazy like that. But they played really well. And it's just like, there's if you can't take those chances, what more can you do? You know, you can't take those chances. And I think... It's one of those things where, like, you never really thought that Everton would score as many chances as, as they had, as well as they played, as well as they moved the ball around, and as well as and how they exposed Liverpool. You just never really thought that, that they, they would score. And I think there's still that inferiority complex that they have. And yeah, man, you know, Jordan Brickford with just a moment of madness. <laughs> oh, no. Jordan. Well, he's only a brick, though. He was only a brick for that moment, but he's not on overload, but just for that moment. Jordan, Jordan Brickford. <laughs> 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 ah, Paul, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you this one. Um, Shady McGrady asks, can Liverpool sustain a title challenge playing defensive first football? Uh, it's interesting. Nobody's won the league playing defensive first football for a long, 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 long time. Right? Did, did Mourinho play defensive first football in the season that he won the league with Chelsea recently? For half of the season, probably, but like the yeah. first half, he didn't. So I, I, think, I think it's very difficult to do that. I'm not sure they're playing... I mean, obviously, their defense is more functional than their attack now, but um, I think that's, I think it, what that's meant to be is a slight correction rather than a complete swing of the pendulum from one side to the other. 
Um, mm. And, and uh, of course, making slight corrections is quite difficult because of the effect of momentum. Um, but I, I think the absolute key part of this is just no one's going to sustain the title challenge because City might only be two points ahead, but just look at that goal difference. Like the goal yeah. difference is a much more accurate measure of the difference in quality between City and the rest of the league. They're remarkable. I mean, listen, this isn't because I support Manchester United. I would feel the same way if, you know, the Saudi uh, regime by Manchester United, as has been widely rumoured. But but I, I do think almost every time someone talks about the quality of City's football, we should also be taught as, you know, as humans, I promise this is a human thing, not a Man United fan thing. <laughs> as humans, we should be saying we can't ignore what the purpose of the Manchester City experience right now is. As same as PSG, we, we, we should almost like every time we talk about them, we should be saying, and also this is facilitating human rights abuse, you know. On that point, for me, I just feel that it's very much linked into why club football at, at its core is poisoned and why, you know, it is, it is, it's, it's only going to get worse. Hence why I was in, in support of a Super League, because you know what? Let it kill itself. Maybe it needs to, to <laughs> maybe it, it needs to, to, to kill itself to then be reborn into what it was before all the stuff was, was, was happening. Because again, like, these you know, people, people... kind of had that argument with like Trump. Like, why not just yeah. let Trump get in office so he can blow everything up and then everything will get better? Like, no, it, things don't have to get better. I think there's this idea that, like, humans are always on a course of, like, evolution and things always get better. Like, no, like, we have the capacity to devolve as well as evolve. So if you just let things devolve, it's, there's no guarantee that oh, no, no, oh, but, in but 100 I, years it just gets better. Like, No, but mm -hmm. I, I think with Trump, though, Trump has exposed things and exposed people. It's almost like the Matrix. <laughs> It's like Trump has just revealed the green code. So everyone's like, oh, oh okay. so this is really how you really feel. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is how you really, okay. And then for me, I just feel like being enlightened is what every human being should search for. So being enlightened. I've never seen the Matrix, so I don't know what that means. What? Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, he said the green code. I don't know. I don't know what that means. But okay. You should um, you should watch the Matrix. It's a really, really, really good. No, movie. no, no. I mean, for me, I've always, I've always said, like, not not to go too much off topic, but just briefly, the Matrix, I believe, is the most important film ever ever made. That's my I my view. I, I don't think that, but I think it's a really good movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's why that when people when I say the stuff about Pep and City, people say that I'm a hater and everything. Do you know how much money these guys have spent and how much more money they can spend? And even to Paul's points and everything, it's like when you know where the money comes from and everything that you do have to be like, uh, which is why, like for me, like whenever I, whenever the World Cup comes around, I, I smile because no, this is pure. The World Cup is still on unstained. You know, it is just pure. But when I when you go back to club football and you go to how Real Madrid do their business, where PSG's money is from, where City's money is from, the oil money, the more and more people that will, will, will come and start buying things. You're like, no, this is just, it is taking away the, the, the purity of the game because you cannot Pepo, compete. Okay, but okay, yeah, I, I get you, but like, just I don't want to expose my complete political ideology totally. here. But like, in a capitalist system, in a capitalist society, if you track back everyone's money, whether mm. that be any club in the Premier League, track it. That money's gonna come from the oppression of someone, the subjugation of someone. Oh, so yeah. you, so you, United's money isn't clean. Chelsea's money isn't clean. Bottom of the table, Wolves' money isn't. Well, they're not at the bottom. Uh, Cardiff's money isn't clean. Fulham's <clears throat> money isn't clean because someone in a capitalist society is being oppressed. 
to where so, someone can make millions and billions of dollars. Degrees so, of oppression. Yeah, this is the thing. Like, first of all, I think one of the most beautiful sentences I've ever heard is the World Cup is pure. So the World Cup that was hosted in Russia and the next one's <laughs> in Russia. 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 I'm kind of having a bit of a Western European bias there, but like the 2006 World Cup, uh, uh, there's pretty solid evidence that that was bought, you know, <laughs> the, the the hosting of that was bought. So um, this is... Only the 2010 World Cup is pure, double <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, although the way the ball flew was not pure, but that's a whole other conversation. Okay. Um, but you're absolutely right. Is I mean, listen, um, the Glazer family gave enormous amounts of money to Donald Trump, the maximum they could possibly give. Um, they made a small donation to Hillary's campaign, but that's irrelevant, really, because, um, you know... They, benefit from the tax cuts i'm sure is the primary reason for that um rather than necessarily any ideological purity of opinion uh, but it is about degrees of oppression it's it's that there is a difference between um unpleasant capitalism which is the full story of of the premier league there's a difference between that and and the conscious direct uh manipulation of soft power for political purposes like those aren't quite the same i don't think and and i don't think i almost think like there there's a kind of um it's too ideologically pure an argument to just go oh well they're all bad because they're not <laughs> all as bad they're not they're not all they're not all serving that function and... life isn't perfect you know it's, life isn't perfect like everyone has to get screwed over in any kind of way nothing comes purely any in anything you do you'd have you always have to make that hard decision that may put someone in a bad bad place but that is very separate from where something is directly bad you know so those degrees of separation like sorry, those varying the degrees of operation is very important to have because to say, well, everyone is bad so you know what these guys that are doing stuff that is directly bad hey man these capitalist guys are just as bad as well. And no, you can't really lump everything in the in the same kind of melting pot. And you guys are saying like, yeah, it's evil, but it's not as evil. I'm just saying like evil's evil. Obviously, there are degrees to the evil, right? But let's not pretend like everyone's pure and just like, oh, but, city are the only bad guys. Like, no, no there's, but, there's, no, no, there's, but, there's but, a difference. But we, we never said everyone is pure. That was never. I, I know, said. I, I'm just I'm just putting that statement out there, like. Don't think but, just because we're talking about about City that your club's in the clear. Oh, I'm a Man United fan. That I would never think that. I, I know where Roman Abramovich's money came from. I still support Chelsea. Yeah. So yes, so yes, I am complicit. I'm I'm not gonna look at City like, oh, you guys are this well, and do, that, knowing what I know about where Chelsea's money allegedly came from. But not even allegedly mean, where it comes my from. My guy, man, he still he still owes me three three bill. Carry on. <laughs> there is a meaningful difference between the participating in the oppression of capitalism and like, you know, I suspect we sit on a pretty similar place page when it comes to political opinion in terms of that. There is a difference between uh, the people that participate in capitalism and, and I've said this already, so I don't know why I'm saying it. again, there's a difference between that and the use of a football team as a PR exercise to sport wash human rights abuses it's not so much even like where city's money comes from it's what city's money is for that's that's the thing that i feel like we need to keep this in the conversation because we watch the football and it's so seductive and it's wonderful and like you know yeah pep spent a fortune but he's also clearly 
by far the best coach of elite players in the world. Mm. And, and he's got them playing this brand of football, which is, you know, stunning to watch. And they've got amazing players. Um, it, it, and, and so it's very easy for us to be kind of seduced by that and ignore why that project exists. They beat Bournemouth 3-1, by the way. So there you go. They've won the league already. I think they're too good. Liverpool, I think it's a fight in vain. I think it's a fight in vain. But let them, I mean, it's still a noble fight, but I just think it's about how many points are they going to win it by and how many more records are they going to break and are they going to go on on unbeaten? That's also what we'll say. And even if he spends lots and everything, you know, I think we have to still say, putting everything aside, money aside and everything, we'll have to talk about City have to not be in the conversation as one of the best sides in, in the Premier League. So we've made it finally uh, to what you came to listen to, I suppose. All right. So uh, Manchester United, they were down 2 0 to Southampton. Um, Mark Hughes got sacked, by the way. Yes. Um, we're, so, we're so irrelevant that Mark Hughes got sacked for not beating us. He still got a point against Manchester United. I mean, he shouldn't have sacked him. Not for that, anyway. He should have been sacked way before, but not drawn against Manchester United. That didn't make sense. But, you know, I'm just going to give you the floor. Like, how do you feel right now about your football club? I, I feel bad about my football club, Daniel. I feel bad about them. I, I think, you know, uh, we hear a lot. In fact, this was a message to you because I was like, I can't handle re have refaria hope over here, giving the party <laughs> line week after week. That's fine. Like, I'm a boy, man. And, uh, and uh, the thing that suddenly clicked in my head was like, oh, the reason why Hope like hates, they, like doesn't rate David Beckham is because at the time Beckham was prominent, Hope hated Man United, like hated us properly. And then the reason he loves Jose Mourinho is because you still love Chelsea when Jose Mourinho won the league for Chelsea. So it's about emotion and I get it. But honestly... <laughs> The king of the brick academy, the lifetime emeritus professor. Um, this man's performance as manager of Manchester United, there are a lot of problems at United, lots of problems, structural problems, um, uh, you know, organizational problems. That's two ways of saying the same thing for rhetorical effect. But you know, there are a lot of problems at United that the, the senior management of the club is a is a complete shambles. But the appalling job Jose Mourinho has done of managing the team like I, I there was this tweet I didn't see the exact tweet but somebody told me about it Pochettino's got no home ground his his uh, board spent zero pounds in the summer uh, two weeks ago was the first time he was able to play like Ericsson Kane Ali and Son in the same game because there have been so many injuries at the beginning of the season, and you don't hear him complaining hardly at all. Imagine the meltdown Mourinho would be having <laughs> in Pochettino's position. Like, I, I, I don't really miss being a football writer, but I do wish I was still going to press conferences so I could say to Mourinho when he's like going on a whatever he's talking about, do you ever... Um, consider that some of this might be your fault. Like, I just wish somebody would ask him that question because the obfuscation, the blaming of other people. I mean, listen, we all know that Marino torch, Mourinho torches the landscape before he leaves. But the, the the story that came out, and it was Duncan Castle, so I'm going to say this is a, a at least an accurate leak, if not an accurate reporting of what happened. He was definitely told this happened. That he called Pogba a virus. Like, Jose Mourinho is a walking virus. Have you not got a mirror and a microscope? Because if you have the two things together, then you could see a virus. You know, he, he's 
is so horrible. <laughs> like I, I used to, I used to enjoy. No, no, no basically, I'm I'm waiting for my rest, rest response because, because this is this is a long soliloquy, by the way. But please, so, 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 I, do, I, I do apologize. Keep time, I'm, Danny. I'm, keep time on all these so insults. Sorry. Carry on. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, not about what I'm saying, just the length of time I'm speaking for. <laughs> wow. That's, 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 that's what he is, I mean, by any reasonable description, the man is an absolute brick when it comes to the job he's doing at United. Like, is he getting the best out of his players or is he getting... A manager's job is to make is to make the team more than the sum of its parts, right? If you, if you really break it down to its very essence, that's what it is. And Mourinho's team is so much less than the sum of its parts. All the good players get uh, dropped or rollicked as soon as they do anything wrong. And then you've got like Nemanja Matic who could murder someone and be in the United starting 11 the next week. Like it is... <laughs> The decisions... We told you guys. We told you, Danny. Guys Danny, stop laughing, man. You shouldn't <laughs> be laughing. Um, like anyway, cackling you, in the background, man. Thank you, thank you for providing me with this uh, platform because we haven't recorded our podcast yet after the Southampton game, so I haven't oh, got okay. my chest yet. But You're getting it out, You're getting it out. Like every like day, I'm waking up and checking, like doing a quick Google search for Mourinho, just, just to see the rumour that he might be about to get sacked. There isn't even a rumour that he might be get, about to get sacked. That's how disgraceful our club is. Anyway, uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for your attention. I now hand the floor to your regularly scheduled hosts <laughs> and apologise for my uh, lengthy anti marino diatribe. Um, can I now speak? If I prefer not to speak, if I speak, I would be trouble. <laughs> okay, so okay, can I just say one thing? Um, did Mourinho get all of his first choice targets? <laughs> is that it? Is that is, no, is no, that, no, 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 that's not even the tip of the iceberg. That's just the tip of the iceberg <laughs> because, like, someone needs to defend this guy because you know what's like, let's just let's just we have to look both sides of this whole thing. That's just the tip of that. Okay, was Lukaku his first choice? Yes, um, yes. Uh, by the way, you've said this sort of times. I know, I know who told you this, and believe me, the uh, Mourinho was described to me by somebody who knows him personally as obsessed with getting Lukaku. So uh, Mourinho's. Uh, just look at Romelu Lukaku and decide whether he was Mourinho's first choice. Mourinho was desperate to sign Lukaku. He believed he was absolutely integral to United's uh, future. Okay. Again, let's agree to dis dis disagree with that. No, no, no. We're still moving. We're still moving. We're still moving. My, my, my thing is, my thing is this, this is that, okay, how do you blame a dude for his players missing several chances? Well, Rashford like missing several chances. Easy man, pal. Let me land. I beg. Let me land. I beg. Let me land. Please let me land. Let me land. I beg. I beg. I beg. I beg. I'm almost done. How do you blame a manager for Rashford missing numerous chances? Lukaku missing no numerous chances. How many times have you gone to the bench and Mourinho has been like, "What the hell? How did he miss that? How did he mess that up? How did he screw that up? How is Mourinho to blame for Pogba aimlessly losing the ball, aimlessly just moving balls out of the way? Yes, Mourinho needs to take some blame. Yes, he does need to take some blame about some of the choices that he's had with, like, setting the team up. And I've always held him out to drive for not appreciating Marshall, not building the, the team around Marshall. But, my Lord, there are times when United have had opportunities and they've screwed them up. You see, Mourinho, with these young players, has always been a bad fit. But 
I, we need to get away from this narrative that Mourinho is this evil man and everything. My God, you're grown up. You're, you're 20 something years old. Come on, have a bloody backbone. Oh, he's bullying the players. He's so many. So, come on, get the hell out of here, man. Grow up. You, you earn enough money to be insulted in public. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, my, so, my thing is this is that we so, have to, like, we have to stop this narrative because you have to, you have to respect 2010. You have to respect 2010. You can respect, so, like, 20, so, like, a 2010 is, look, he has earned his stripes. Without Listen. 2010, fair enough. But 2010 means that you have to use these enter stripes. The way people have been insulting Mauricio, oh, this guy is done, he should not be, be coaching a team. I say, guys, relax. Okay. Relax. So Just I've got relax. I know I spoke for a very long time, so I apologize for not letting you land, but you've landed beautifully. However, I would say that you've what you've done is raise a series of rhetorical questions to which I will now provide an answer for almost every single one of them. Okay, so first of all, you said something brilliant. You said, um, how is Mourinho to blame for Rashford missing chances? He's always turning to the stand and going, how has he missed that chance? Well, maybe the two things are connected. Maybe the young footballer is not feeling brilliant about his manager continually calling him out. Like, I think that there was a time when Jose Mourinho might have just been, um, for a short period of time, the best, most effective football manager on the planet. Like, I don't think he comes close in the conversation of all time, but there was there was a period of time. Nah, I mean, because listen you can't talk to me about this conversation i'm not i'm not fit to have it because i don't think there is i think it's fergie by like miles and miles and miles because of how long he did it for how much success oh, yeah, he had enough, fair, can, you know that's, that's just I, you know but 2010 was remarkable and very special and um <laughs> as was what he did at porto and you know it was very exciting his first couple of seasons in Inter's the first ever treble, only treble in Syria history. Yeah, yeah, amazing, amazing performance. Um, I mean, literally eight years ago now, like once upon a time, Arsene Wenger, um, was one of the best managers in the Premier League. Like that's that's a very long time ago now, and and he had to leave Arsenal because he couldn't cut it anymore. I, I agree with you that it's a bad fit, and it is possible that Mourinho will do it again somewhere, but it's going to have to be somewhere of a medium-sized club for sure. It can't be an elite club because he what? he doesn't. Uh, what I mean is he doesn't have. I mean. Okay, so you can say Inter are an elite club in a way, but at the time they were, you know, they were finding themselves again. It needs to be that kind of club rather than a Real Madrid, a Manchester United, somewhere where, where there's an expectation that they're not going to be the underdogs because Mourinho thrives as an underdog. That's not an original idea. I personally don't think even that's going to happen because I think he's personally too far gone, but that I would be happy to be wrong about that. You're acting like this guy's been ad admitted to like an asylum or something. Unfortunately, I have to cover his behavior. And um, he looks to me like he's basically lost his kind of spirit for it. But anyway, I want to I address the kind of points that you made. Mm. First of all, like the, the individual performances of the players, some of the players have to look at themselves in the mirror and question their professionalism and all these kinds of things. But I do think there's been quite a lot of evidence that the players have been trying there to burst through the ridiculous level of toxicity and bitterness that surrounds Mourinho. And, and they have actually pulled that off a couple of times. Um, unfortunately, we revert to the medium over and over again, the median over and over again because of how Mourinho is. Rashford is missing chances because of Mourinho. That is that is what is happening. Like partly it's oh. on him, but partly it is on the fact that 
his confidence is hammered over and over and over again. And you can say like they should be paid enough to be insulted in public. And that's fine. I'm not saying they should sue Mourinho for insulting them in public. I'm saying if you want to get the best out of 21st century footballers, this is not the way you do it. Now, whether the footballers should be men and they should be able to take it like Mourinho players used to be able to or not, is kind of irrelevant because they can't. So you have to adapt or you're a brick. He's a brick. Um, Rashford has also been missing for the England national team. Is Mourinho to blame for that? Uh, no, but he's also performed much better for the England national team. And I, I think almost every fan of the England national team and Man United would agree with that. And let's talk about players playing better for their national team and look at Paul Pogba. You know, I, I'm... I think Pogba could possibly be doing more himself, but I find it very hard to blame him uh, for being absolutely sick to the back teeth of the way he's being talked about and treated and uh, played. Like I agree, like he was dreadful, dreadful in that game uh, against Southampton. It was one of his worst games, and there's a, a few to pick from. But I'm sick of the narrative which says we should shift blame away from Mourinho to the players because that's what I mean. You, you. Oh no, well, no, 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 no. For me, I've always said that Mourinho has to take some blame, but the narrative that I see is Mourinho is taking all the blame, and it's the... it's it's got to the point where um, he doesn't deserve all the blame for everything that's wrong at United. He just Hell deserves. No. He just deserves criticism and opprobrium and blame for almost every decision he's made under those circumstances, which is, you know, it, we are getting just about as little out of this squad as we could possibly be getting. And the argument about signings just does not hold up. This is the first summer where he hasn't got, he didn't get Perisic last summer, but he got the rest of his targets. And uh, this summer, I, I think the club gave up on him, basically. And they should have sacked him in the summer because you've either got to buy him the players he wants or sack him. You can't do neither. But, but, but you know, that is the key thing. And I think that's what some people have been ignoring. Is that I've, I've said months ago that this is a, a bad fit. It's a bad fit. Why hasn't he been sacked? Because yeah, every single time crazy. I just see United just... Because, again, against Southampton, it was a mess. And that's where I said, no, Mourinho, you have to take some blame. This whole lineup, it's a mess. And the camera always goes up to Ed Woodward and I say, wait, wait, what are you guys doing? You know this is a, a bad fit. This is painful to watch. And you know that this is never going to work long, long term. Why is he still there? Are you saying that out of all of these months, you are unable to find a suitable suitor to Mourinho? So you're just letting this fester again and again and again and again, which is crazy. Is it? Wouldn't it be about the compensation package? What's absolutely mad about that is twice since Fergie retired, well, arguably even three times since Fergie retired, they've written off seasons. So in the Moy season, like, I mean, I think you can, you can almost give the club the slight, slight benefit of the doubt there and say, well, after the whole kind of cultural thing and you job knows to stand by your new manager and all that, then sacking him in December would have been a bit mad, but he definitely should have been sacked in December. So you could argue that season's a write-off. And the the second Van Hal season, which we ended up winning the FA Cup, which is great, but at the midpoint of that season, it became abundantly clear <laughs> that that season was a disaster and Mourinho was lined up then for the job. So they basically wrote the rest of that season off. So this is now the third time they've written the rest of the season off to save a bit of money. It's it's it is disgraceful, and and it is absolutely. And I have to say, this is one of the reasons why I'm so 
full of like hostility when I talk about Mourinho here and and it isn't really directed at him this it is that the immense fr what you're hearing is in part the immense frustration that the club won't act because they're too concerned about waiting for United definitely not to be in the top four so then they can sack him for free or close to free uh someone asked what next and where next for Jose bottle smasher Mourinho <laughs> I, I have to admit that that was that was hilarious uh against young boys <laughs> <laughs> it was like he was like a, like a rock star. I think people have said like uh, when they smash the guitars on stage. Um, if Paul's accurate, and perhaps they're just waiting until the end of the season or somewhere near to kind of cut ties. What do you think's next for Mourinho? Double H. You know what? People have been talking about Wenger Bayern Munich. Mourinho Bayern may work. I think Mourinho and Bayern Munich and that setup. I feel. Could potentially work because Mourinho, I mean, he may take a break, but Mourinho ain't never gonna give up. I think even more so, he'll be even more fired up to prove his his doubters wrong. So, I do feel if Mourinho ban is a possibility. Beyond that, because I'm looking at Italy right now, because I think Mourinho's management style fits Italy really well, but I just do not see it which team he could slide into. But yeah, I do think that a Mourinho ban is a, is a, is a possibility. I mean, I, I honestly, and 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 I know I sound like really um, embittered by this, but but I I did used to like really enjoy Mourinho's shtick, um, and and I do I do hope he finds his feet again somewhere. I think Bayern would be an absolutely shocking fit for him for exactly what I was saying earlier about he needs to be at a club that perceive themselves as an underdog um, and can kind of galvanise around him. Um, Bayern, there are so many kind of powerful figures at Bayern Munich and Mourinho does not like other powerful figures being around. So I think that would that would be it. And, and the fact that they're expected to win everything, I think that'd be a bad fit. You know, what would be great for him would be if he could replace Simeone at Atletico. Because he, he, you know, oh, yeah. if yeah. That, that, yeah, that would, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that would fit, that would fit, and and then he could sort of stick it to Real as well, <laughs> you know, um, maybe maybe he wouldn't want to do it for that reason. But what would be brilliant, what I'd love to see is a kind of, um, you know, uh, like a Napoli or a, you know anyone but Juventus in Italy that's got a chance of you know, competing or something. I'd love to see what he could do in in that scenario, whether he could galvanise another club or whether. Actually, you know what football managers' lifespans at the top level is generally limited to. Uh, they they do generally have a kind of peak era and then fade out. And and we might be seeing that Mourinho is actually he put so much into the first sort of fifteen years of his management career or ten years of his management career that now it's time to say, okay, I've 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 put more of myself in than I've got left, and and I need a break. Oh yeah, what's the call? I mean, breaking news, breaking news. Modric is the Ballon d'Or winner. Oh, oh, I okay. was so hoping that was breaking news. Breaking news, United have sacked Mourinho. <laughs> <laughs> not so fast, man. Not so fast. So, yeah, so, like, oh, so, so how do you guys feel about Modric winning the Ballon d'Or? I mean, first time since I think what? Yeah, yeah, 20, ten years. Ten years. Two thousand nine, maybe two thousand eight. That someone not named Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo has won the Ballon d'Or. It wasn't two thousand eight because uh, that was when Ronnie won it for us. Two thousand seven. Yeah, I, I'm gonna Google this. So like, 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 I'm like, like, yeah, yeah. Kaka won it in 2007. So 2007. So so, over so basically, from 2008, it's either been Messi or Cristiano. That's crazy. I mean, if 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 we want to look at it like this, maybe in 1998, Zinedine Zidane won the Ballon d'Or because he won the World Cup. Yeah. 
2002, Ronaldo won the Ballon d'Or because he won the World Cup. In 2006, Cannavaro won the Ballon d'Or, even though he wasn't even the best player at that World Cup, but the best player at that World Cup decided he wanted to headbutt someone in the last few seconds. <laughs> um, so generally speaking, the best player at the World Cup or what who people deem to be the best player at the World Cup or World Cup winner, other than this kind of Messi-Ronaldo era, yeah. Those three, it would suggest that they win the Ballon d'Or. Even in 2010, the argument for Schneider or... Oh, he wanted to um, won a freaking Iniesta, and got to the final. Right, and, and even Iniesta. Iniesta had a great season and yeah. won, won the, the World, World Cup for Spain. So yeah. this is maybe going back to that kind of, you do well in the World Cup, you win Ballon d'Or. It could be going back to that rather than just... Who had the better season, Ronaldo or it's, Messi? It's interesting though because it's if you you know who who did well at the World Cup is one thing, but at the, all those people that you listed won the World Cup, which of course Modric didn't. As much as the uh, Messi and Ronaldoification of the Ballon d'Or, what we've also seen is the Champions Leagueification of the Ballon d'Or. Yeah. So yeah. the combination of Champions League and World Cup final kind of ex, um, exceeds everything, and I think also the fact that the France team, although they definitely had standout stars um the standout stars happen in moments and really the story of france's win was it was a, wasn't the story of one player in the way that in 98 you could argue that it kind of was it was about the collective yeah it's know? like it's, it's like germany in 2014 yeah i'm just thinking about like the fact that schneider or iniesta didn't win in 2010 is just stupid <laughs> No, no, it's no, 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 no. Trust me. Snyder that won a when... trouble and got to the final with no, 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 They were like, not even top three. Like, that's when I, I quit. When that happened in 2010, I was like, basically 2013 was just putting the nail, nail, nail on, on the head. But 2010, I was like, okay, this is obviously an, an agenda now. There was no arguments whatsoever for Snyder not winning that thing in 2010. And I think that's when, okay, this is obviously an, an agenda. Hence why when people use the whole arguments, oh man, do you know how many ballon d'Or these guys have won? I say, no, it's... No, that's that's a part of crap. Go on and end a flipping real trophy. Ballon d'Or is, is is a whatever thing. So, do you think that this gives it a little bit more credibility in terms of Modric winning? Um, no, no. I, I think it has lost. I think it's it has a lot of work to do to win back its credibility. I think over the years it's lost its relevance and its credibility, really. So, you know, I just think that for for a decade when so many other players have this. I mean, how Iniesta doesn't have a Ballon d'Or award or Snyder didn't have it or the Ribi didn't have it. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, you know. So I mean what what are you I mean what are you gonna say, you know? Griezmann ahead of Mbappe. You agree yeah. with that? No. <laughs> as a as a French football fan, you agree with that? Um I, I don't watch enough of ah, La Liga. Well, I forgot Griezmann's your cousin in it. So. <laughs> no, I don't watch enough of La Liga to know whether what um what um, Griezmann's performance level has been like in the league because if you're because if you're just basing it on the World Cup and you could have said okay France can either leave Griezmann or Mbappe at home I would have said oh sorry sorry cousin Antoine <laughs> you've got to stay at home and we need Mbappe so I, I think Mbappe definitely had a well better World Cup than Griezmann but um, you know if you're basing it on performances over the whole course of the season I genuinely couldn't answer the question. All right, so let's take a little cursory glance at, at Europe. Barcelona, well, we, I guess we saw Real Madrid bounce back from their loss uh, from Ibar with a W, so good news for them, I suppose. Barcelona won. Uh, Dembele, I think he scored again, I hope. Am I right in that? No, 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 no. I think he set up Piquet. Oh, he assisted? He assisted? Because I, I saw quotes from the coach 
that like Dembele is doing better, this and that. I think they're yeah, trying man, to kind of pull really back. He is the, the best two-footed player in the world. Best two-footed player. Can we talk about how there's 14 games gone in the season and Alaves are ahead of Real Madrid in the table? Like, is that is that all right? Is everyone okay? Look, look man. That... Look, look, basically, it's been a weird season, man. That's why, like, this is this might be one of the most open La Liga seasons that there, there will be. It's been a weird, crazy season. Where, where do we want to go next? Juventus won. There's no real news from Italy, other than the fact that I think is is Bakayoko in the Brick Academy or did he have a stint? Oh, oh no, no, he had a long stint there. <laughs> is he still in? Is he still in Siberia as we speak? Because I think um, you might need I, to transfer him. I think he's all right now. No, no, no. According, no, 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 according to Milan fans, it's suspension. Suspension. Like he's, Milan he's, fans are willing to pay the forty million. Like apparently he's putting in like really good performances in Europa League and in the league. So I don't know what Gattuso's done to Bakayoko. The Nigerian president recently had to come out and say like I'm a real person. I'm not a clone. I'm curious. Maybe this is like a Bakayoko clone. I don't know what they've done to him, but the footballer that left apparently isn't the one that's there now. So shout out to Bakayoko for doing well. PSG drop points. Yay. So I can't do my times three PSG thing anymore. <laughs> uh, but they still could go undefeated. So there's that. We'll have to monitor PSG's invincible run. Uh, Germany. Dortmund won. Bayern won. What, what, are you, what are you thinking about the title race there, Double H? Um, For me, I like this is going to be... Dortmund's best chance to win it this season because I, have you seen Alcafe's scoring ratio? Guys, I think we have to consider the fact that if you're a striker, you should go to Dortmund <laughs> because Le- Lewandowski goes there, balls out. Aubameyang goes there, balls out. Bashuai was there for like uh, six months, goes there, balls out. Now Alcafe, uh, uh, Paco. Goes there, balls out. It's a great place for a striker to go because they have, there's so many number 10s. Like, I'm, I'm watching Valencia more, and I'm mm. realizing that one of the factors in, like, Bashawai's success was that when you're surrounded by Gota, Royce, Kagawa, and I guess he, he didn't have the pleasure of playing with Sancho, but the players like that who are just happy to pass and feed a striker, it's a fantastic place to be, whereas you go to Valencia and they play with two strikers and – Everyone there is kind of greedy, people like Geddes and such and such. So it's a great place to go for a striker because of the amount of playmakers that they have on their team. Hmm. Oh, no, no, no. I, feel, I, mean, but, I mean, looking at the, the table now, you've got Sundorfman on 33 points, Mönchengladbach, 26 points, Leipzig, 25 points, Bayern, 24 points, Frankfurt, 20, 23 points. So I think, basically, with Bayern, they need a total revamp, like a complete and total revamp. There are, there are players there that shouldn't really be there. And I think... Nico Kovac shouldn't really be blamed. And with Dortmund, man, I just think that what Favre, how Favre is playing with these boys is amazing. Like, how these guys attack, how they have this one-touch football and everything, and the energy they have is amazing. But again, can they keep up this pace and this energy throughout the whole season? And will they have, like, a passion which they really begin to struggle? And that and will that bring Bayern in? And speaking of Bayern, Robin is leaving at the end of the season. Is is he gonna retire or is he gonna do hey, like... easy, easy, easy? Don't go back. <laughs> no, 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 I was, I was gonna say it's... I don't I don't play that. Robin is okay. never retiring. Okay. I'm never I was, gonna, I, was gonna, I was gonna ask, is he going to retire or is he gonna do what it seems like a lot of the kind of old Dutch professionals do, whether it's like Cow or Van Persie or whatever, they just go back to whatever Eredivisie Divisie club they came from and go win the league. Mourinho will try and sign him at United. <laughs> Relax, 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 relax. No, no, no. For me, I think no. Robin, he's never be retiring. He'll keep on playing. So what do you mean? He'll. I'm, 
my, Listen, my, he's no, no, never no, no, retired. Have, 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 have. My boy retired last year, so you just got it uh, not last year, last week. <laughs> you can accept this. I'm, I don't have to Drogo accept it. retired last week. Like, how do you think that makes me feel? Like, I don't, I'm old now. Look, but Danny, you do you do me this? You do you, I do me. Do you, I do <laughs> me. This is how but I operate. My boy retired. retiring. I'm, I'm not allowing him to retire. Have hope. Your my idol is, is done. No, my boy. not. My boy retired in 1998, so I don't know what you two are complaining about. Wait, wait, wait. Who was that? <laughs> Eric Cantona. <laughs> hey, well, not Cantona. That guy was a player. Um, no, no, no. Robin, he's not retiring. Um, like, people don't appreciate Robin. And that's that's the saddest thing. Like, just like, when you just, like the his greediness, his individualism, and how he's interpreted the game. Like, as, as I said on, on my video, the only player I liken him to is Del Piero. Do you, do you guys remember the Del Piero zone? Yeah. Like, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure whether you, because because again, like I think me and Paul obviously older than um, Danny, but like there was literally an area in the pitch that whenever Del Piero was there, he would always score, and they just and they just used to call it the Del Piero zone. But Robin took that to the nth degree, where he has trademarked a a kind of goal, and this dude has been scoring that same goal for about two flipping decades now, which is amazing. So. Robin, no nah, man, just like my love for that guy is nah, man. this is too much. <laughs> Where do you think he's gonna go? PSV? You know what? You know what? I don't know. You know, maybe there's like a space in a Juventus, a space like in a Sevilla or something. I don't know. I, I think Robin, but like, you know what? I ain't done, baby. You know, don't give me my flowers yet, man. Now I'm he's I'm, gonna I'm, go to I'm China right. probably or Japan or wherever, like Torres and you yeah, look, Japan is rising, man. Iniesta. Japan is rising, yeah. He's probably gonna go to Asia, but he's yeah, he's not so... going to MLS. No way, he's going to MLS. Hell no, I won't allow him. <laughs> no way. Ah, uh, okay. So, uh, do we have any other topics that you guys want to cover? Maybe like Champions League quickly or something like that. I don't know. Oh, no, 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 no. Basically, all I'm saying is that um, Napoli, Liverpool, that could be a classic. I cannot wait for that game. I think that's going to be a truly amazing game. Um, I, I did think it would be funny if PSG would play in the Europa League, but I think, you know, we can maybe say they won't lose to Belgrade, and I think they, sh they should go through. But yeah, man, Napoli, Liverpool, there's just an argument that either side can really um, win that. But I, I think for Liverpool, man, if they play like how they played against Everton and give Napoli those chances... It could, it, could, it could be lights out, but yeah, it's gonna be. It's set up for a great classic game, hopefully. So, Paul, you you want Mourinho sacked even though he qualified like <laughs> for the round of sixteen? <laughs> did you watch? Did you watch any of the games? We they won. Hey. They, they won the last two games in like hey. amazing hey. fashion, hey. like the own goal Juventus. with Juventus. We the 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 Fellaini handball, the oh, handball, then the winner against Young Boys. Like, give him his due. The players what? are playing for Mourinho as they oh, give him his due, wow. man. Wow, the the propaganda is real. Um, uh, the oh, the three nil against Young Boys when Pogba balled out was good. The home performance against Valencia was was, I mean, I, I can't think of a word bad enough. Then um, don't say it. Yeah, dismal. Dismal is the word. Uh, Juventus, like, the only reason Juventus didn't win that game was because of complacency and uh, the fact that they hit the bar instead of scoring. Like, United did very well and showed a good deal of character to have that little fight back at the end, but the rest of that game was absolutely pathetic. And the Young Boys, that that performance against Young Boys, like, Young Boys are not a good team. Um, the Swiss League, I don't know if you know this, is not a very high standard, it turns out, because um, uh, they're winning that by miles. But But... I mean, 
Fellaini had to like punch the ball to himself to control it <laughs> for us to beat young boys at home. Excuse me. Like the only reason we qualified is because Valencia. Mourinho said that was a tough group. Afterwards, he said this is a very difficult group. On the, on our podcast, like um, you know how CNN will sometimes say like Donald Trump lied and said dot 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 because they call him out rather than just reporting on what he said. Like <laughs> on our podcast, we've started saying Jose Mourinho lied and said it was a good performance against Man City. And and then this was another one. Like Jose Mourinho lied and said it was a difficult group. Like it's a complete joke of a group. It's one good team um, and three dreadful teams <laughs> like um so yeah you know, no, Valencia are, are, are integrated man you know Paul, exactly. Paul, have you ever watched the show 24 no oh my You've god never watched the show 24 no because okay okay so so basically this this is the general plot of most 24 seasons right yeah uh there's a terrorist attack that's going on like in the united states somewhere is the lead character jack bauer's job to kind of like diffuse that but then like around maybe like episode 14 or so you start finding out that there's like a deep state conspiracy that it's just is deeper than the actual just regular terrorist attack. There's someone uh -huh. in the government who's like a patriot and he wants to like just <laughs> worked out where this is going. <laughs> and, and, you, and, and and he wants to like destroy the fabric of the United States because for some economic, political, social reason, the country's going in some way that's not American or whatever the case may be. So he's trying to destroy America and he's working with the terrorist organization somehow and then jack bauer obviously stops the terrorist attack whatever the case may be i feel like you're one of those like patriot people wow this who, like you, you you're trying to destroy manchester united from the inside no. on some like patriotism <laughs> it this is my right it's my duty to no, like stop is, your no, 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 no. you're trying to villain. assassinate the president no 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 absolutely not i'm trying to stop the terrorist <laughs> um i am jack bauer and jose Mourinho is the terrorist in this that's that's that is exactly what they would that. say that's what the patriot would say though but <laughs> like, like i'm Mourinho, doing this for my country no 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 jose Mourinho is like is actually destroying the fabric of the club we can all see it with our eyes so this is very but you're qualified Oh, I mean, <laughs> hooray. I can't wait to see who we get in the last 16. That's going to be so good. And we've got such a real chance of winning the competition. One last point, though. on The one okay. thing I was very happy when Fellaini scored is it meant we don't have to have Europa League Thursday nights. So that that I was very happy about. I feel, I feel personally assaulted by that comment. <laughs> um, we've been there. We've been there. I mean, okay. we won it. I've been in the competition 14 times or whatever the case is. And like the one time I wasn't in, I won Europa League. <laughs> I enjoyed that comment. Yeah, man. He has bars. He has bars. Except, do you know what? I didn't enjoy it because amazingly, he made it about him rather than the club. That's weird, isn't it? That's weird. When That's when when you when you when you get attacked, you must defend yourself. You don't you don't defend the pavement or the wall. You defend yourself. I'm surprised you've never watched 24. Uh, it's because it's like right wing propaganda, isn't it? Really? No 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 no. Trust me, watch it. It is for me. I say it's like crack. No 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 wait no. Forget that. It is the most addictive. TV show entertainment thing of all time. The first three seasons, pure crack, pure crack cocaine, hundred <laughs> percent. It's, I mean, it's it's okay. It's not like the greatest thing ever, but like the way they structure it, like you do want to watch the next episode. Yeah. So yeah. Um. Any other topics you guys want to get through? Nah, Double H, Paul. If you have, I'm a... happy. All right. So this has been our podcast, Paul. One more time, if you can tell the people where they can find you. Uh, yeah, you can listen to our podcast. Um, just search any podcast provider for Rankcast, 
Um, and yeah, I mean, I can't leave you guys a five star review because I don't listen on the Apple device. But if I did, I if I did listen, I definitely would. And uh, my five star review would be like, however much I disagree, it's still an absolute joy to listen to you guys every week. And Carl, when when he's around, uh, pretty, pretty much. that wasn't a diss, by the way. I was that saying wasn't this. That's no, what of, this straight diss about. Three of my, okay, three of my favorite. Three of my favorite people to listen to talk about football. So thank you for everything. It's always good having you on, man, because I, I think that you vibe very, very well. So you're, you're definitely a, a friend of the, of the show, man. You know, it's always good to have you on, man. That's for really sure, kind. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, so we remember we do this podcast every Tuesday. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, at Talking Tactics, all on Talking Tactics. Links are in the description. Um, if you do listen on an Apple device, leave a five-star review. That yes. link to... To do so in the easiest way is in the description as well. So just click it, leave your review. If it's five stars, we'll read it on the show. Only five stars. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm intended to look. Half Hope, where, the, where can the people get you? You can find the kid at Half Hope Hot. Uh, Carl Anka is at Anchorman616. Hopefully he'll be back next week. Check him out at Totally Football. Um, ball guy? James, James Richardson, oh, an absolute legend of uh, football broadcasting. Yeah. You know, it's funny is when I started doing a podcast, I had like this – um, the, a lot of the team from Totally Football Show used to, to be the people that did the Guardian Football podcast. And I had like one ambition in football, which was to be on the Guardian Football podcast one day. So Carl's living my dream here. You've never been on? Not even close. <laughs> not even, not in, with, not in consideration. <laughs> you quit. You quit football journalism too soon, man. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Your dream was right. <laughs> no, 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 no. But do you know what I always say? When one door closes, another one opens, man. <laughs> Yeah, the, I, 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 the fact that that was literally my only uh, ambition in football probably points to the reason why that was not necessarily my chosen <laughs> career path. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Uh, remember, talking Tactics podcast, sometimes funny. Sometimes serious. Always for ball. Indeed. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace. I feel like today was sometimes funny, sometimes serious, and always football. It's very accurate today. Sports Social Podcast Network.